turn your Bible to James chapter 5. James, the fifth chapter. Several Sundays ago, we spoke from this chapter, verses 7 through 12, under the theme, Be Patient Under the Coming of the Lord. There are actually five divisions of this chapter. Chapter 5 is called The Perfect Man and the Second Coming of Christ. The word perfect means mature, not sinless, but mature. The first section we dealt with the other night, be prepared. Jesus is coming again. We do not know the day. We don't know the hour. But he's coming any moment, any hour, and we need to be ready. And so the theme of that first part of James 5 is be prepared. Come now, you rich man, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you, and so on. The second part is the one we preached on several weeks ago, beginning in verse 7 through 12. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. And he gives these illustrations. Behold the farmer, and then remember the prophets. The farmer sows the seed. He doesn't go out the next morning to watch it grow. He just goes on doing some other work, and after a while it comes up. That's the way our attitude needs to be in patience concerning the coming of Christ. And then he gives the illustration of the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord and they suffered affliction and, and they had patience through it all and they kept on keeping on. Now the third theme is, begins in verse 13 and it deals with prayer. What are we to do until the Lord comes being, being uh, preparing for the coming of the Lord? He says, be prayerful, be prayerful. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any among you uh, merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. The Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Mrs. Bill Compton handed me an article today on my desk concerning spiritual healing. And for a long time, doctors sort of scoffed at that. But now, more recently, they're beginning to recognize that there's a correlation between healing and prayer. And they're acknowledging this in some of their journals. A number of years ago, I think I mentioned this to some of you before, I was in the hospital 15 days for a, an illness they hadn't, did not really identify. And Dr. Grice was my doctor, and he came every morning and every evening, twice a day, and he scheduled me for surgery. As a matter of fact, when I got out of the hospital, I got a bill for the operating room. I didn't have surgery. I said, Dr. Grice, and uh, I really respected him and loved him. 
he, we were good friends. I said, I, Dr. Christ, I believe the Lord could heal me, don't you? He had a little twinkle in his eye and he said, well, the Bible says, according to your faith, be it unto you. Incidentally, <laughs> uh, so I'd given him a copy of, of uh, Bill Wallace of China, that great missionary there. He came every day, morning and evening, and the last night he came, he said, well, I guess God is healing you. Well, the Lord healed me. I thank the Lord for that. Now, that doesn't always happen. Sometimes people pray and they die. We've had circles of prayer. We've anointed people with oil. and We prayed over them and they died. By the same token, we've had many, many wonderful examples of prayer power. Tom Odom used to be a member of our church. He's in heaven now. One morning, Tom had a very severe heart attack. <coughs> I suppose about three or four o'clock in the morning. And uh, uh, Miss Sue called me to tell me about it. I went to see him and then, <coughs> excuse me, then uh, I call, called all of our deacons at about four or five o'clock in the morning, maybe 4.30. And we met in the prayer room right down there that was, at that time was still a prayer room. And we met there and prayed. And God miraculously changed the course. And when I went back to the hospital, Miss Sue said, Tom has taken a turn for the better, just, just suddenly. Well, you can say that's chance. You can say a lot of different things, but I believe God touched him. And he lived many other years. He lived, lived more than Hezekiah did. He lived more than 15 years. And God blessed him. There's power in prayer. Now, we're not heard for our much speaking. Matter of fact, sometimes God has to look beyond our words to find out what we're really saying. Because sometimes the only thing we know to do is put these things in words that we understand, and yet that isn't really what our heart craves. For example, Abraham prayed for Sodom and Gomorrah not to be destroyed. And God looked beyond his words and knew that what he really wanted was Lot to be delivered from Sodom and Gomorrah. And God did that. God answered Abraham's prayer in a different way. Little Amy Kemp had leukemia, eight years old. Her eyes had been blinded. And she said, would you pray for me? She wanted me to stay with her. She said, it's getting dark. I can't see. Would you pray that I will have sight? And we prayed, and in a little while she went to heaven. Did God not answer that prayer? She sees now. God does not always answer the prayer the way we ask it. He looks beyond our words and sees our need. He looks beyond our sin and sees our need. We have a wonderful God. That's the reason I appreciate the testimonies a while ago. Always be ready to give a reason for the hope that lieth within you. And uh, be ready to give these testimonies. Now notice what the scripture says. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing. Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him uh, call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now there's a, a tremendous doctrinal truth here that we sometimes overlook. It says, if any of you are sick, you are to call for the elders of the, of the church. It's not the elders or the preachers or the deacons who go out looking for sick people and try to heal them with anointing oil. 
The person who is sick is to do the calling. Sometimes somebody will get in the hospital and they get out of the hospital and I didn't even know it. And they say, you didn't come to see me, preacher. I don't say this, but I felt like saying, well, did you call the doctor when you were sick or the doctor just happened to come visit you? You see, the one that's sick is to do the calling or his friends or his neighbors or his family. And, and there is power in doing exactly what God says, but the person that's sick needs to call for that. I don't think God intended for preachers to carry around a keg of oil and just everybody just go up and down the halls and anoint everybody with oil and say, you're going to be healed. That isn't God's will. <laughs> the person who is sick has to exercise that faith. And in exercising faith, the Lord may lead you to ask to be anointed by oil. That's happened in our church. The Lord may not lead you to do that. I believe here the oil was basically the oil of the Holy Spirit. But if it's to be interpreted as a real oil, like olive oil or some other type of oil or any kind of oil, three-in-one oil would probably do, if you request it. Now, not everybody requests it. You see, I, I believe the best way to take the Bible is literally, unless it's facetious. And so this is not to say that everybody that gets a cold or gets the flu ought to ask the, somebody to come and anoint you with oil. But I believe when someone is sick, there's power in asking for prayer. And that's the reason we take a lot of time to pray here. Someone visited our prayer meeting service on Wednesday night, and their remark was, why don't you have all those names written down somewhere and, and then just get up and say, here's the list, let's pray for them. It won't take so much time. Why, they missed the whole point of it. Another person came and said, I like what you do. You really pray. You list names, call names, and then you get on your knees and pray for them. For years and years we've done that. Some may not like it. But I believe there's much to be made of prayer and to me, the most valuable service in our church life is Wednesday night when we pray. When we meet together to pray and praise and just study the Word of God a little bit. And the people that want to come, come. And it's a blessing. And so he says, anybody sick? Let him send for the elders. And incidentally, the elders are, in some instances, the ministers. In some instances, they are people in the church that you can count on. Sometimes deacons, sometimes other people that you can count on. Elder was sometimes used for pastor or minister, but sometimes it was used just to refer to somebody that's trusted in the church. And that's what this means. So, any among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church, let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up and he, if, he have any committed, if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now isn't that interesting? That is not a promise that it is uh, true in every case. I, I don't know how to say it like this. It's a promise that is true, but God does not always promise to heal everybody. We need to know that. Uh, 
we continually have to add, not our will, but thine be done. I've told you this before, and I just want to share it again. I was at the hospital one night when they brought in a little boy who had been run over out on Morgantown Road. He was in critical condition. They, it was the old hospital up on the hill, and we went into the prayer room, and the lady asked me to pray that her little boy would live. I had already talked to the doctor, and the doctor told me the child was brain dead. So I said, well, let's pray that God's will will be done. And we prayed. And we prayed for the little boy. We prayed for the mother and daddy. We prayed for the will of God to be done. She was not satisfied. And she called for a holiness preacher to come. He came up there and commanded the Lord that the little boy live. I went outside with him in a little while and said, how could you command the Lord to let that little boy live? Well, he said, I have the authority to do that. The little boy lived. He was brain dead. He lived five years. And that mother and daddy tried to take care of him. And it ended in mother and daddy divorcing. It was a terrible thing in their life. I'm not God, but I believe we need to condition every prayer we make in the name of the Lord and in the will of God. I don't have the authority to command God to do things. None of us has that. But we need to say, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus set that example. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is all powerful. It changes us as well as changing things. But when we pray, we need to be ready for our own lives to be changed, for our own will to be changed, so that God will get the victory. Then he goes on to say, confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. In the article that Miss uh, Compton gave, there was a part of it that talked about some kinds of illnesses can be better ministered to by prayer than drugs because of the nature of that illness. Sometimes the burdens of life get us down. They overwhelm us, and we don't know what to do about it. And sometimes we're led to take drugs, and we're led to take this and that, and all kinds of medicines and so on, when perhaps the best thing we could do is find somebody we love and trust and who loves and trusts us and confess to them things in our lives that have caused us to be sick. Those things cause illness just like flu and bacteria and other things. We can be sick in heart. Somebody said hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's in the Word of God in Proverbs. And sometimes our sickness is a sickness of the psychic. And if we will give it to the Lord and confess these needs to God or to a confidence, someone we trust that won't go share and expose all the things of our lives to others. Listen, everybody needs someone with whom you can pray. Everybody. And the best kind of praying is with one or two people that you can trust, and the things that you pray about 
They're not going to go tell their best friend, say, would you pray about this, blah, 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 blah. That's gossip. Find somebody you can pray with, that you can talk earnestly and honestly from your heart. And this says, confess your faults one to another, pray one also one for another. And the, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The world has yet to see how much prayer works. Elijah was a man subject like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly, and it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth space of three years. He prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Now I want to say this about Elijah. We visited Mount Carmel where this all occurred, and where he slew the prophets of Baal. Elijah was a man who lived and walked with God. God told him, that it wouldn't rain for three years. Elijah, talking to God, said, this is what the land needs. Now remember, there were men of God in the Old Testament and the New, like the Apostle Paul and others, that could size up the situation and say, Lord, here's how the human beings look at it. If you could do this, it would probably be valuable to us. And that may be what Elijah did. God, the only way Ahab will ever listen, the only way Je Jezebel will ever listen is if you send a, a famine and, and you send a drought. And Lord, I just pray that it won't rain for three years. And then he announced it wouldn't, and it didn't. Then God said, Elijah, you go find Ahab and tell him it's going to rain. And, they, and Elijah went to tell Ahab that, and it wasn't a sign of rain. It wasn't a cloud in the sky. It was just as dry as its bone. And Elijah took his servant, went up on a hill, and he began to pray, Lord, send the rain. Lord, send the rain. He told his servant, you go over and look and see if you see any clouds coming. He waited and he kept on praying. And after a while, the servant came and said, oh, brother Elijah, there's a little cloud the size of a man's hand. And he said, you go tell Ahab it's going to rain. And he told Abraham, Ahab was, going to, Ahab was scared to death to tell him. He said, if I go tell him, you'll disappear. And he'll be mad at me and he'll kill me. And Elijah said, no, you go tell him and then I'm coming afterwards. And that's what happened. You see, he got it from God. When we get from God what we ought to pray for, God will honor it. I don't think we ought to pray promiscuously just for Tom, Dick, and Harry to be healed. We need to find out what God says. There's nothing wrong with praying for the person. We had a dear lady in our church many years ago, Mrs. Ralph Guthrie, had cancer. And we prayed for her. Our church prayed for her. We went to her house and some of our deacons went over there and prayed for her. We didn't tell God she had to get well. We commanded her to get well. We asked for the will of God to be done. And God took her. She went on home. God does not always promise how he's going to answer our prayers. But I believe if we tune into him first and say, Lord, how shall I pray about this? What shall I pray about it? God will give me the answer inside. And in 1 John, he says, you can pray in the will of God for a yes answer. Whatsoever things we ask in faith, in the will of God, knowing that this is the will of God, we can ask for an affirmative answer and God will give it. I believe that. 
But be sure to find out if it's in the will of God. And then pray. Now we can pray about anything and everything and many, many times we've prayed here and we've seen miracles happen. Just keep on praying. I'm praying that God will bless our church, that God will help us to lead souls to Christ. I believe that's his will. That God will help us grow in spirit and in number. He knows what he can trust us with. I'm praying that people that come here will feel the love of God and will want to be part of this fellowship. I believe those are things we can pray positively. We have some very sick people right now. And I'm praying, Lord, may the will of God be done. Lord, have thy way. Darrell Moody was critically ill. Period of four or five years. His mother was Miss Nellie Moody. And I was at the hospital several times when he had been to surgery and they found out he had a malignancy and the doctor said he can't live through the night. And uh, Sue Gibson would come in and try to help her mother and comfort her mother say, say, Mother, I, I need you to get you ready. Uh, Daryl's not going to live through the night. And Mrs. Moody would say, I don't believe that. Let's pray. And she'd call on me to pray. And we'd pray for him. And at least four occasions, he was prayed through the night. He got better. But in this last illness, God didn't give me that kind of liberty. I visited him every day. And I prayed with him. I took his hand. I said, Daryl, Jesus said he's going to prepare a place for you. He's going to come again and receive you. And you've trusted him. It's going to be all right. As we prayed, he smiled. After a while, he went to be with the Lord. God does not always answer prayer the way we ask. But we need to pray about everything. Just keep on praying. I think we need to pray about what dress to wear, what suit to wear, what clothes to wear, uh, how, how we're, uh, what, what road we take to work. Uh, you know, God can lead us if we ask him. I'm sure that many of you will, will remember some experience in your life where you took a different road and you found out later that the other road had an accident on it or somebody got killed on it and, and, and so on. God will lead you if you'll pray about everything. Pray about what you're to eat, what you're to drink, what you're to wear, where you're to live. Pray about everything and God answers prayer. And above everything, if you are a Christian, Pray that God will guide you to do the will of God with your life. I believe there are young people in our church that God is leading into Christian service. Are you open to it? Could you say, not my will, but thine be done? I've gone over time. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this wonderful scripture. It reminds us to pray about everything. I want to lead our church to the throne of grace right now, Father. You know what we need. We pray that God would touch the Glendale Baptist Church with his spiritual power. That we would be dead to self, dumb to impossibilities. And we would catch the vision of moving into the next century equipped and ready to reach 
a multitude for Christ. Perhaps these are preparation days, preparation years as we come to the end of this century. And if the Lord tarries, something wonderful is going to happen in the years ahead. Get us ready for it, Lord. And help us to pray about everything. We pray for people that are sick, we've mentioned tonight. Pray for healing. We pray for souls to be saved. We pray for Beth Gifford. We pray for Becky Harris. And it seems like you're answering that prayer there. When it was so hopeless the other day, the doctor felt sure she could not even make it through the weekend. But you're answering that prayer. And Lord, we pray that you'll call others of our young people to love you and to serve you and to give their lives on the altar of service. Have thine own way. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please.